Hello. How's it going? Well, like I was saying this morning, it's uh, it's hot, but the sun's been like hidden right behind the clouds. It's not really. It doesn't feel as strong as it normally is, but it is humid. So I was looking at. I saw a I saw a video that a guy I used to go to school with posted up, and it was he works at a bakery in Hong Kong, and I think in the branch that he was working, they implemented this uh, this like AI automated system. So basically it reduces human interaction almost like 100%. So what you do is you get all your your bakery goods on a tray and they're all wrapped in uh, plastic. So you put them all in your tray and then you put them onto this uh, counter which has got a light source coming from the bottom and then it's got some sort of scanner scanner head at the top like an overhead projector and then it identifies what you got on your tray based on the, its database it's not that complicated really and then it obviously knows how much everything is and then it just uh, activates the little the little payment thing it's got all these different methods of paying like scanning your there's a card that they use out there it's like an oyster card in London so you can use it for travelling you just tap it it's contactless they've got one in Hong Kong that you can use basically on anything you can use it in shops to pay for things uh, an octopus card so you can tap that, I'm guessing you could tap your credit or debit card or you could use coins <laughs> and that's the solution that they're implementing to um, solve a problem that was created or solve a problem that never existed or a problem that always existed but um, yeah all the people that commented on it were like they can't wait to try it out um, and then it was future but what what it actually was was 
eradicating human interaction. The per you only need one person stood behind the counter just in case the machine goes. In case the machine uh, malfunctions. Or it's, uh, you know, still in its learning phase. So, it's weird. It's very weird. I mean, um, I'm sure in the UK and America, the concept of a uh, self-service, you know, where you go and you scan your own stuff, and then you scan your card, I'm sure that's like, something that some people never want to do. But compared to, compared to what they would implement in China and Asia in general is to the extreme. Because they, they believe that in order to solve a problem like disease, you have to reduce human contact to the fullest. And with those extremes, it does breed innovation like this. And things could be taken to the extreme in order to provoke innovation. It's like I was talking about earlier, this whole energy crisis where they're raising energy bills to astronomical numbers. It's all bollocks. Like, come on. The war has been, oh. The disagreement between countries has been used as a, as an excuse. To say, to say that there isn't enough energy. To say that there's gonna be blackouts due to lack of wind is bollocks. Because what you would see is you wouldn't see you wouldn't see a total blackout because there'd still be some energy generation, right? Something would still have to be generated. But it's uh but it's taken to the extreme, right? They say, ah, oh, no, your power's going to go off because there isn't enough wind power. There's not enough energy being generated. But you would know who that was. You would know who would be losing power because you'd be diverting it to the places that need it, right? You would cut off the parts of the circuit that are not... not considered required. Now I've experienced two types of power cuts in the last year. 
the first one was due to well supposedly it was because of a lack of wind so there's no energy being generated or not enough energy being stored DC and that, that was the reason for a blackout no what actually happened is there was too much power in the grid that could not be stored and so if it enters the part of the system where the power is being delivered alternating current if you get a surge there then it'll blow your transformers blow your safety devices like your step downs your regulators that doesn't happen if there's a lack of power that happens if you've got a lot of power going through the system too much so what would actually happen if there was a lack of power is your lights would become dim some of your appliances you wouldn't be able to run and I know that because I experienced that type of cut they called it a power cut something to do with high voltage lines underground I don't know how that would affect um, the voltage running through the lines you, it would either be on or off right if you've got an underground line that's cut or it would have no effect but what happened was I had a there was a step down in voltage the lights would, would work like your normal uh, sort of like 30 watt light bulb but it wouldn't be 30, it wouldn't be as bright as a 30 watt light bulb it would be much less brighter so I was like what the fuck like what is going on it is literally the opposite of everything they tell you you've not had a, a power cut you've had a Um, a step down in the amount of power that's been delivered to your property because that would be a lack of supply that would be what it would be like if there was a lack of supply now if you've got too much supply or if you've got too much in the delivery Let's say your, your supply is just a big bunch of batteries sat somewhere and your delivery is your high voltage power lines, your underground cables. That's where you would suffer the damage, right? Because if you've got too much running through the, the overhead or the underground, that's when you would get problems. 
so I mean the reason why they fabricate things like that is just so that people don't really have a clue what's going on just so that they rely on somebody else to always provide the answers like <laughs> if there's a supply chain issue such as I don't know pick something out, out thinner the price of raw materials so raw food vegetables eggs milk if all of that suddenly increased because the cost to the farmers, the cost to the producers increased, how would a supermarket be able to implement a price freeze? <laughs> how would they be able to guarantee prices? Unless they're also the producers and the suppliers. But in most cases they import they import from from all over the place so it doesn't really make sense to say that there's this there's this organic food crisis going on right this supply chain issue but we can guarantee prices on food we're not going to increase the price of food it's bollocks because how could you say that with any surety if you're a business? You're e you've either added a massive margin on top already because maybe you know the cap on the, actually no, just, just assume that Just assume that that you just implemented a price freeze just because, right? Now, for any business to do that without without having having control over the price that they pay their suppliers could be putting themselves in an impossible situation because it would directly affect the brand if they started to increase prices which is likely right if you got a if you got an organic problem and by organic I mean it's it's not been fabricated it's not a story And you would not be able to gauge your prices. Isn't that called price gauging anyway? So if they all agreed to set their prices at the same levels, thereby giving the appearance of a level playing field. But all they're really doing is agreeing to all take advantage to the same extent
no more, no less than than the other. It's weird. That's why I don't really. I don't really believe that kind of that kind of story because any business would need to it, I mean it doesn't matter who they are they would need to be able to adapt to changing conditions they can't just say hey, alright this is what it's going to be like for the next six months that they're not going to change anything but if it was an organic process how can you how could you do that how could you do that without explaining how your supply chain how you can be so sure that it's stable that that's not going to be affected over the next six months it just seems bonkers it's unrealistic which is why I don't really I don't really think the whole thing is a credible solution, a credible problem. I think it's fabricated. It's a story, just like the, just like the fuel and gas. It's just uh, stories. It's to capitalize on other situations. Because if it was an organic problem, if it was an organic crisis, there would be restrictions, there'd be conditions put in place to ensure that there was no price gauging. I mean, the fact that fuel in the UK has gone down over 20 pence in the space of a month tells you that there was some price gauging going on because now all of the all the supplies at the pump have all reduced their prices by the same they all agreed around 170 one pound 70 <laughs> it's the same as the it's the same as the food they're all agreeing prices like yeah we're going to drop ours down to 171.9 and all the others agree similar level same with the food how can all supermarkets how can they all advertise the same thing all agree to gauge the, uh, gauge the prices It'd be fucking stupid to do that. To run your business like that, it'd be stupid. Like, no matter how much you wanted to help your customers out, if it's going to run you out of business, you just wouldn't do it. If it's got the potential, potential for risk and you don't... 
don't acknowledge it, then again, it can be uh, something that can put you out of business. So maybe there is no risk. And maybe that's why they've done it. But I think there is... I think it's kind of foreshadowing something. All of these stories and all of these... Um, all these movements. There's a lot of movement of money. I mean, it might not, it might not be so obvious to people. But if you've got... If you've got fuel prices increasing, right? That means more of your money is going to fuel companies. If supermarkets are increasing their prices, that means more of your money is going to the supermarkets. And then everyone else in between, coffee shops, because they all have to get supplies. Basically anyone is all demanding more money from you. So it's going to be... It's to create instability, I think. Because there'll be people that can't afford to fuel their car now. Or there'll be people that can't afford to buy the food that they need. It kind of it tips, tips the balance. I think that's what the intention was. But then you see it comes back. It comes back a little bit. You know, the fuel prices come down just like that. And then the food prices will come down just like that. But it won't be to the same level it used to be. Because it kind of sets a, sets a new baseline and then it's like, well, we could charge that before, so there's no reason why we can't charge that again. Because people will see, they won't be surprised by it. Because at least it's not as bad as it used to be. That's kind of like car you would maybe reconcile with. But it's still tipping. Tipping the balance overall. Because there'll be people that won't be able to afford the new prices which will become the norm that will just become normal I was looking at something else earlier um, there's a famous catchphrase going around that you might have heard of You will own nothing and be happy. <laughs> it's a bit of a 
it's a bit of a weird thing for an advisory group to be saying on a on a wide to a wide a wide uh, group of people it's almost like who are they in advisory to and who who are they who are these group of people that come up with this uh, extremist viewpoint because it is an extremist viewpoint because right now you can own something you can have proprietorship you can have ownership and to a degree you might own something and be happy but you might also own something and be unhappy but they're telling you vehemently that you will own nothing and you will be happy <laughs> it's a, it creates a power it, it is an extreme and it pretty much just commands the same response a polar opposite response that people will own things and be unhappy is it a reflection of that that people will no longer have the option of owning things and they'll be happier because of it I don't really know because it's all it's all relative to the observer isn't it really depends on your condition if you um If you think that just ownership of things is is what you want, then then do it. And if it's not, don't do it. But there's always other another aspect to that that you're. You can have all the things that you want and not be happy. It's not a case of have all the things that you want and be guaranteed to be happy. There's always the there's always that adaptation, there's always that battle between the two. Because to be whole, to be I guess to be whole is to be happy and it isn't just derived from things. There's other other aspects that you have to consider. So basically what they're describing is something of a polarised situation where there is no other choice if you take take the words at face value 
they're, they're describing a situation uh, there's no other there's no other choice so how would how would you get to that kind of position where at the moment it is possible to own things things exist right but they're sending nothing like as if nothing's going to exist nothing worthy of holding anyway so how do you how do you get to that place because it's not a case of it it's not simply a choice right It's not been it's not been conveyed as a choice. It's not saying if you own nothing you'll be happy. Well that's giving you a choice. That's saying it's almost like if you desire to to not be materialistic, then you may be happier. But they're saying it in terms of you've got no choice, <laughs> and the only, your only choice is to be happy. I'm guessing it's. Uh, I'm guessing it's a case of somehow you'll be provided for. That everything will be provided for, but it won't be in the case of like desire. What you desire will be catered for. It'll be like the basics. And when does that typically happen? You can only really look at like disasters. You know, when they say they need to send relief or aid to particular places because of natural disasters or war or something else so I think that is what they're alluding to a natural disaster or some kind of disaster I think that is what they're trying to allude to but then how would they get to that how would they get to another extremist uh, angle because you can step outside and there's no disaster, right? There's no, like, prelude to a disaster. Like, the sun is not setting everything on fire. <laughs> so, how do they get to that point where it is they're almost giving out warning it's like they're telling you what is to what's to come almost very weird especially for an advisory group as well like I think they typically advise on policy like not <laughs> not not what they're uh 
Not what they're telling everyone, not... Not advising that you should eat bogs and not eat meat. Or... That you have no option but to own nothing. And you have to be happy with it. No reason given. But obviously inferring that there's a catastrophe. Because if there's a catastrophe, then there is nothing to... There's no thing to own. Right? That's almost like... Wiping the slate clean. It's almost as if everything will be... Destroyed to a degree and it's all... Maybe the... The effort to... Maybe the effort to, to build things or to reform society is already planned. Maybe that's what the maybe that's the part that they're missing out. That they've already planned and as part of their plan is that you'll have nothing. Because there'll be nothing to own. And you'll have to be happy about it because What's the, what's, there's no need to feel unhappy if there's nothing to own, right? So it's fucking weird. <laughs> but that's what I think. And if you look at the number of infrastructure projects currently being executed, so this is where it's gone through planning, it's gone through review, and then it's actually underway, it's been built. There's a lot of there's a lot of projects. I mean, predominantly all the infrastructure projects I saw that were in the execution stage are railways. Railways and metros, overground and underground. And I'm just like, why? What's the... What's the need? It's almost like they're... Anticipating... Something. But if people aren't going to be owning anything... What is the need for shipping... Manufacturing and raw materials via railway? Typically, it would be more effective to place your, to rule out the logistics and to process the raw materials on site. So moving your factories to the areas where the raw materials are, it's got to be cheaper. And then all you need to pay for is the logistics to ship your final product. But then, as I say, where's the demand for the product coming from? This is all weird. But if you look at it on a... If you look at it on a different scale, if you look at it comparatively, 
things exist now because there's no catastrophe. Things, no thing exists in a catastrophe and therefore there can be no ownership of no thing. But currently there's no catastrophe and you can own a thing, whatever it is. But it, it does activate the, it does activate innovation, right? Because that, that's what this group are pushing for. They've been pushing for people to innovate solutions to the problem of disease. Which is why you saw so many people 3D modeling PPE equipment for free. And most of the equipment was probably dumped in an empty warehouse. It was all just to drive the energy of innovation because that's what that's what I'm assuming would naturally happen. That's when you have these scientific innovations. Right? You have the discovery of or rediscovery of things during certain times. Just as you have disease. It's all um It all happens around the same time period. Which is just energy flowing up. It all happens around... Your iPhone is so bad. Just trying to check the time, it's like... Have to unlock the phone. Then you have to switch back to the... The memo up, it's really annoying. Um, so yeah, this this group, they they kind of try and take people to the to the polar extreme, right? So you know we need need to reduce the need to reduce human contact. So then they're trying to. They basically take people to that place in order to breed innovation for for new things, for new ideas. And that's why you get hands-free bakery AI scanning solutions. But it's not really AI, it's just an interface to your your bakery database based on images and maybe dimensions. There's nothing if you changed if you changed anything about the way your your bakery goods looked, it's going to have an effect on your system. It's not going to be as accurate. So it's not really... It's a different way of doing things, but it's not really uh, innovative. It's something that existed before. It's just been utilised in a different way because of conditions, because people have been conditioned into thinking that is necessary but it's really not it's just 
It's a misunderstanding of condition, of disease. It's just an imbalance. But as long as... As long as things are viewed that way, it's always going to be the same. Whether it's intentional or not, it's not... um, It's going to happen anyway, right? It's just the the outcome of change. Because there will always be there will always be the need for for innovation, but it won't always it won't always be applied with the, with the correct conditions applied. So you end up in a slightly different state. So whereas people might be guided towards less human interaction because of disease, it also activates the opposite end of that extreme, which is more human interaction. And you can see that. You can see that in... Uh, people that create content on YouTube. People going out protesting just to be around other people. But it's not really innovating. It's not really creating solutions that <laughs> that contract this weird need for uh, complete hands-off. Uh, basically reducing the need for people to do much of anything. Because if a bakery can do that, you may as well use a vending machine. You may as well just close your shop down, keep the keep the ovens going, and just drop all your food into into vending machines. Like why why beat around the bush? Why implement these fancy new systems when you could do the same thing with a vending machine? So. Yeah, it's almost like it's a a misdirection for people to kind of place their energy where it's not really needed. Kind of wasting a waste of energy. But I think that is... I think that's what this advisory group are advising on. Catastrophe management, I guess. I mean, it would just be... It's just weird that they would come out and say you own nothing and be happy. Without giving the context. Because that's why people were like, whoa, this is really far out there. There's no context given. Like, why? Why Why is it going to go to that extreme? Why is it going to go so far away from the way things are now? Because it's kind of a binary thing. You either have things or you don't have things. And to say that everyone will not have things...
it's kind of inferring that there's going to be such a, a radical change that I think that that put fear in people and I think that's maybe one of the reasons for it but I think they're also saying there's something is coming down the line some sort of catastrophe and with all the infrastructure projects going on I find it very weird I find the amount of money being spent on these infrastructure projects doesn't make sense when they say that all of these money markets are going to collapse the housing market is going to collapse all these stories about collapse but then they're spending billions on infrastructure so if everything's going to collapse who's, who's going to use this infrastructure because all the infrastructure they're putting in place in the UK is to reduce the amount of time to get from one city to another and it's, it's not a massive it's not by like a massive degree maybe 30 minutes 30 minutes less travelling time it's not massive to justify the spend so I mean if you look at World War 2 right they built the, well, they started building the London Underground in the 1800s. And the tunnels were used for earth rate shelters, amongst other things. And now they're building all these rail links underground rail links like all across the country it's just weird it's like who's going to use it because if you if you live up if you live in the north you're going to work in the north right you ain't going to work two hours away and I have to get a train for like an hour an hour and a half if you can work locally it makes no sense Like, I mean, it would be like a very niche, be a very small amount of people that would, that I think would actually use that kind of service. I mean, commuting between 
London and where I live now in Kent is 40 to 50 minutes depending depending what time of day and even that is flaky so if you imagine you've got I mean I only, I only live what 30 35 miles outside of London it's not far but if you're thinking you've got 200 miles there's a lot more that can happen across 200 miles So, I mean, it's just... It doesn't make any sense. But it's weird how these... The infrastructure projects seem to, like, crop up around the same sort of time after disease and stuff. It's like... Is that what they're thinking is the way out of it? Is to start building high-speed railway or something? Like, it's not even really... All it's doing is giving money to... to the big construction companies. It's not really creating it's not really creating anything for anyone that isn't a big construction company or isn't a big railway operator so yeah it's all, all a bit strange all these things seem to happen all at the same time I wonder no one's found a link between it or something. I don't know. Anyway, I think that's it. I'll catch you in a bit.